0: Good morning, good afternoon. Uh, this week is Parshas Bite or Parshas Bow, depending on your accent. And we are continuing with the, the we're finishing off with the Makas, and we are having the beginning of redemption. So to give an overview, first of all, of the Parsha, and then we can say, yes, we've done it, and then we'll get into some things uh, besides that. So first of all, uh, we have the introduction of the of the of the eighth, we have uh this partial We have makas eight, nine, and ten, the locust, the darkness, and the killing of the firstborn. In addition to that, we also have the introduction of the laws of the carbon pesach. We also have before the introduction of the laws of carbon pesach, we have the ideas of rosh chodesh of creating a calendar, a Jewish calendar, um, which we're going to get into in a second, and. So that's kind of, yay, we did the whole parsha. We end up having the last three plagues. We bring the carbon pesach, and right, it's not as simple as that, obviously, right? So, it, and the parsha finishes off with the mitzvah of a peter rechem, that a firstborn animal needs to be hol- is holy, and the mitzvah of a tfilin. No. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll finish off with the of Philip. So there, yay, we got the whole Parsha. Now we're gonna go move a little bit slower and go through the Parsha together. One of the things that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is really highlighting personal redemption, not just um, uh, Egypt and you know global redemption. But we've really been having a, a focus on personal redemption, because that's really what we're talking about. The Parshas are very much this place of, uh, it's not just, oh, once upon a time has happened. And I know we talk about this often, but I think it's important to to repeat it again, but it's also very much, uh, how does it help me? How do I relate to my life? And how does the lens of the Parsha help me uh, deal with the things that are going on? So here we are. So the first thing, which I think is you know, the first Pasuk already gives us our first instruction. So the Pasuk opens up, our parasha opens up, where Hashem says to Moshe, Bo el paro, which means, come to Paro. And uh, because I have hardened his heart and the heart of all his servants in order to show them all my wonders in their, in their midst. And immediately there's, you know, questions galore. Uh, but for the purpose, we're not going to go through all of them, but just something I think that's super important to to highlight for ourselves. Um, we know that all through the Makkahs, we've had a, sometimes Hashem has said lechel Um, sometimes he's he said bo, and in this case, when he was going, we talk about uh, giving the warnings. He he said leh or whatever, all different words. Here Hashem uses the expression bo el paro. Now bo uh, means to come. It doesn't mean, right, Leh means to go and bo means to come. The implication of go is like, I'll wait here, you go, do your thing and come back, right? Bo means come, we're going together. Bo imadi, some of them say come with me, we're going to go face paro par- together. So the the first thing I mean really for ourselves on a very personal level is this place of, you know, we all have paro in our life, you know, paro, that place of constriction. We know that Mitzrayim is mates are It's a place that limits us. It's a place that holds us down. And paro is the channel. It's the, orif. it's the neck that really constricts us and we all have something in our lives. And that's what it does to us. It constricts us and it slows us down and it, misdirects us as our neck does often um and when we have to come up against our own paro it's a very scary thing to do it's very it's a very uh we never really come to paro with like yeah we could do this like sometimes we do but very often when it's a real deep thing we're nervous and we're hesitant and even though we've succeeded before we're wondering will we will we be able to do it again this time so hashem is telling us bo el paro I'm coming with you you think you're on your own you think you're doing this and you have to you know get it all yourself it's not true Hashem says I'm with you we're going to do this together like you know in, in the vernacular would say you know I got your back Hashem very much is telling us that uh come with I will come you come with me essentially not even I will come with you but we will go with hashem and we will and therefore we have the power to confront and we have the power to not just confront successful in whatever it is that we need to take care of because it's not only up to us, you know, when it's only up to us and how much I do and how much I prepare and how much I can, you know, get the right. Then we're, then we're limited. And then very often it's, you know, we're stuck. Hashem says, I'm with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to go with you. I will give you, you know, I will help you find the words and I will be there, uh, you know, guiding you. Then it's it's a it's a it's a real confidence booster for us. It's a real you know we can do this. We got this, uh, and it makes it less scary. It doesn't mean that we just get to sit back and say, okay, God, you got this one, so you take care of this, and I'll just you know drink coffee and whatever or, or you know we're gonna just sit back and let it happen. That's not what it is. We need to go and we need all the confrontation and we need to be prepared and we need to do, give it the best we have that we can. But on the other hand, we definitely. With us and therefore we have that extra ammunition on our side, which is uh which is very powerful. That's that's you know, the whole parsha is starting with that. The whole parsha is starting with that place of the you know, Hashem's with us. We're coming to Hashem's coming with have the power to confront what's get whatever is going on. And we talk about, you know, we're not gonna get into the conversations of free choice. It's a bigger conversation, which will take all of our day and next week as well which we're not going to get into how do we how do we you know what is the story with free choice if Paro's heart is hard, being hardened how can hashem punish him? like I said I'm raising the question we're not getting into it right now there's lots and lots to talk about but we're not gonna do that right now. Um, and one of the things that the pasuk talks about here uh, Pas Bays verse two it's uh, it tells it tells us. Sharatum Sahim, that you should tell your children and your children's children how I made a mockery of Egypt and and all the wonders and everything that I did that they should in order that they should know that I am Hashem. And um, you know, this place of, of giving over, of, of telling our children what our story is, what our background is, where we came from, what we're doing, all of those are very, very important. And if we could maybe extrapolate a little bit, I'm not only talking about the place of telling the story of Egypt, we know Pesach, that's what we do. We tell the story of Mitzrayim and the Exodus and what happened to the Jewish people and how Shem saved us and all that is, yes. But the other part of the conversation, um, you know, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs Al-Washel spoke about the difference between history and memory. And history starts off with his, it's his story, but memory starts off, starts off with me, it's mine, it's who I am and where I come from. And I think that part of the thing that we need to be able to do is to know where we come from individually, not just we, the Jewish people, but me, Rifka Margo. where do I come from? What is my family background? What did my parents and grandparents go through? Because all of us have a story. None of us, you know, none of us just emerged you know, from no place. We all have history. We all, well, we all have memory, and that's really what we are. We are. We're more into memory than into history. We want to remember zecher, right? The idea of memory. It's our story. It's our personal story. So yes, we the Jewish people have our general story, but we the individuals also have a story, and I think it's very important to know where we came from and what was done in our family and and we because you'll go back a few you know, go back a few steps, there isn't a the family in any, no matter where your family tree, you know, wherever you are, where you think, oh, we're not ever go back a generation or two or three or four, and you will find incredible, incredible, incredible people who with, you know, incredible values and, and miracles that got them to be where they are. And that's where why we are where we are today. So that's just a little plug. If you have, you know, older living relatives, this is the time definitely to to brush up on your personal family uh, story and to find out, you know, where where you are and where you come from, because it's important. It's very important to know uh, where where we're from, so we know the power that we have going forward. Okay, so then, uh, so then Moshe and Aaron go, and they they continue, and they talk to Moshe about, they, sorry, let's they meet about the locusts that are going to come, and da-da-da-da-da. and um, and then he he uh, so then Power is like he's okay, he's worked to plate eight, so he's had he had some history over here, and um, and and first they send Moshe and Aaron out, and then. Um, and then the, the servants of the Paro in verse seven, they say to Paro like, yalla, let's get out of here. Let, let's leave, let them let them get out of here, right? Well, that's not what the Pasek says. The Pasek says, how long are these people going to be a stumbling block for us? Send them out, let them go serve their God. Don't you know that Egypt is lost? So Moshe and Aaron are brought back and Aaron, and they start and they start, and then is like, okay, who's going to go? Blah, 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 blah. And in ver, uh, chapter ten, verse nine, is a uh, you know this upward upcoming week is the week of Yud Shvat. It's the week. It's the day that the previous Rebbe passed away and that uh, the Lubavitch became Rebbe. And I must have heard this from him hundreds of times, without an exaggeration. When Mo, when Paro asks Moshe, who's going? Who is this exodus for? Who? Who who do you need for your service of God? Moshe answers, Mm -hmm. with our young and with our old, we will go. With our sons and with our daughters, with our cattle and our sheep. Because it's it's a holiday for Hashem. And in the conversation of who counts, Moshe says a resounding, everybody, everybody. Not just you at the beginning, I was like, oh, let the old, let the men go, let the older people go. You don't need this, you don't need that. And Moshe's like, absolutely not, absolutely not. Every single person counts, the old and the young, the men and the women, the boys and the girls, everybody. We're serving Hashem and everybody has a part in this. And I just wanted to highlight that just because we live in a generation and we wonder, do we really count? It does it really matter what I do and who I am? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. The answer is yes. You you, you the individual, count and your what the way you serve Hashem is important and it's not complete without you. So in case we were wondering, does anybody notice? Yes, yes, Hashem notices and Hashem counts, and all of us are needed in order to do that last push towards a final redemption. We're all we're all part of it, we're all part of the we're all needed to serve Hashem. So I want to give us a bracha first of all that we understand that that is our worth and that is our value and that is what we need to do we need to step up to the plate each and every one of us in our own way in order to uh to play our part whatever it is that we have to do okay and then powers up forget about it's not happening um and so then they have the plague of the locust that comes in and uh and now the next thing that i want to highlight a little bit is we have a conversation then comes the plague of darkness there's no there's no warning for the plague of darkness which we started talking about last week different plagues have warning different so the plague of darkness has no warning it's chapter 10 verse 21 hashem says to to put you know raise your hand towards the sky and it's going to be darkness on all of the earth Misraim. it's going to actually turn into like a tangible kind of uh some kind of tangible kind of darkness so Moshe does that and it says in uh, verse 22 that there were that there was this thick darkness in all of Mitzrayim for three days and a person couldn't see their brother they could not get up for their place for three The Jewish people, it was light. Um, So the Mepharshan talked about the idea that most of the plagues, in fact, all of the plagues, well, okay, most of the plagues were for seven days. And we find that the plague of darkness was in fact six days, it has three days, of intense darkness and three days of darkness that the that Rashi highlights that they could not move. Like Kamu Ishmi whoever was sitting couldn't stand up, and whoever was standing, couldn't sit down. And and the and the Meparsham talk about the idea that the last day of darkness was reserved for the crossing of the Red Sea, which is gonna be in next week's Parsha. And um and uh so when the Jewish people are going to close, cross the sea and Hashem's going to make it dark, keep the darkness the whole night, make it dark for the Egyptians. That's Kilu the last day of the darkness. So that's one thing, which is just random, interesting, fun fact. The other thing, which is, you know, I don't remember who said this and I apologize, but when, you, uh, so we're talking about the darkness and, and when is it really dark? When do we have real darkness? So, so um, I don't remember who said this and I apologize says when we are not capable of seeing our brother that is a definition of darkness now the tire is actually describing the state of darkness physical state of darkness that you know it was so dark you couldn't see anything we all know we've been in those places where it's been very dark and there hasn't been a little bit of light And you know but on an emotional level when we're incapable of seeing our brother we we're incapable of seeing the other we we're incapable of seeing beyond ourselves then we know that we're in a true state of darkness and then it's really bad then we have then, then you know then we really have to start pulling it together because that's that's bad when we can't we we're so in our own space that we can't see the pain of another person the need of another person then we have to really figure out how to break out of it because that's pretty terrible. Um, and then, okay, and now we have over here, in, in Peric yud Hashem talks about, okay, so before we, we, Hashem says we have one more plague that's gonna happen, that's gonna be the plague of the firstborn. Um, and, but before then, Hashem says to tell the Jewish people to borrow from their neighbors uh, um, items of gold and items of silver and hashem will give the grace of the people on the on the land and everybody will be able to get whatever you know get it so so that was i want to i want to stop on this for a second but i also yeah let's stop in a second okay um so so rashi says that rashi says that this whole idea of of getting gold and silver from the neighbors and whatever um, is because Hashem promised, Hashem and Avraham made a covenant in the covenant between the pieces, in, between the, pieces, in the Brisbane of Sarim, that uh, your children will be strangers in a strange land for 400 years, and they will, be, they will be made to work hard. And then when they leave, they will leave with great wealth. And so Rashi says that Hash, Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe, uh, where am I? Uh, he said, oh, sorry. He said, in Pasuk Be'ez, Hashem says, Dabrina, please speak in the ears of the people that they should ask and they should get this. And Rashi says, because Hashem doesn't want Avraham to come and complain and say, listen, there's slavery. Yeah, we got the slavery, but the reward, we didn't get the reward. So, you know, as if Hashem's afraid of Avraham. And there's a lot of conversation about this, a lot of conversation. I want to bring a couple of points. First of all, um, in the Sifre Musser, it talks about the idea, what is this idea of, of borrowing, right? We're borrowing, you know, you borrow tissue from somebody, you're not giving it back. Everybody clear that you're not giving that one back, right? So what's the point of saying, borrow these gold and silver items because they're not coming back. In fact, there was uh, in the, the Gemara tells uh, tells a story of uh, an Egyptian representative who came to the basin and they demanded reparations for the stuff that was stolen from Egypt. Um, and they said, you know, that many years, that many things were taken and this many years have passed, and what well, you know, so the Khamun responded and said, okay. Let's, let's look at the numbers. Okay. You had X many people serving, you know, as slaves for X many years. So now how many years, how much did you owe them? Add the interest and all of that. And then they agreed to walk away from that, from that kind of, uh, that lawsuit, I guess, for lack of a better word. But the truth of the matter is they weren't giving back the stuff. So what's this, Charade. What's the charade of saying, I'll borrow it? We're going to borrow it. So the Bali Musa bring it one of them, a very, very beautiful idea. And the Gemara says that who, you know, talks about wealth, Misha Yeshua whoever has 200, that the nature of wealth is that whatever I have, I'm never happy. If I have 100, I want 200. If I have 200, I want 400. Whatever it is that I have, I always want more. That is the nature of wealth. Um, and so, so the, so he says, when do you, what, that is terrible headspace to be in. like to never be satisfied with what you have, you know? people who are just happy to pay their bills and get to the end of the month and not owe money, they will put on the table and pay their rent, they're happy. And the people who have their their own planes and whatever, they want more. Like, where do we, how do we prevent this place of this need for more? And and the is really describing it as the human nature that when you have, you want more. So, so he, so the, so the the Lepstein explains that, they borrowed it, never owned it. It wasn't mine. When I, when it's mine and I have, then I want more. But if it's never really mine, then you don't have that same drive to do more and more and more. And he was talking about this idea that when we look at the world and we look at wealth and we look at physicality, we need, We nobody's going to say that you don't have any needs. We do have needs, we need, you know we need to to pay our rent and we need to or our mortgage and we need to you know buy food and tuition and all these kind of things we need all different kinds of stuff but the question of can we understand that all of it is actually only borrowed meaning we have it we've had to earn it we have to work for it but at the end of the day it's not about me and about my stuff it's about what hashem has given me we are, we're we're working borrowing it from hashem and therefore we are happy with whatever we have, because that's really what we're looking to do. We're looking to not say, oh my gosh, I need more, I need more, I need more. We're looking to say, I have what I need. And in you know, in the Hayyama, one of the things that there brings in one of the days of Hayyama, which I forgot which day, is that that the difference between physical and spiritual is that in physical, we always need to look at the people who have less than us and say, wow, I'm doing great, but in spiritual, we need to look at the people who have more than us and say, "Whoa, I have where to strive for." And I think that this is really highlighting this idea of of borrowing it so that it's not yours. You don't end up having that need for more and more and more, and you could really be happy with what it is that you have. One of the things that Hasidis talks about this a lot is that what was this need for borrowing what was this need for taking what was this rachosh Gadol? don't you think paro sorry what don't you think abram would have been like okay just stop the slavery get them out and move on like wouldn't that have been enough and Hasidus talks about they're really what was in all the physicality that they were taking. What was in the gold and the silver that was there? And Chizit talks about that the sparks, of, the, sorry, the sparks of holiness that had fallen into the world. The majority of them were in Egypt. When Yosef, you know, feeds everybody, what he's doing, he's really gathering the wealth of the world to Egypt. Not only the physical wealth but all the spirituality that is hidden in every single item that people have and people own, he's pulling it together. He's bringing it into one place. And so when the Jewish people leave Egypt and they borrow silver and gold and different things from their neighbors, they are in fact taking all the spirituality and all those little sparks that had fallen into the world. And that is really what they're taking. So it's not just that they're getting physical wealth, which they were, but the bigger thing that was important Was what was the point of Gullus? What was the whole point of going into Egypt? Not just to like smack them down, but the point of the whole exile was to come back enriched spiritually, not physical. Okay, we're not knocking the physicality, but not only the physical, not only physical, but more importantly that we should become, we should come out more refined and more. We're more spiritual and that was really what they were doing all these things that they were gathering were in fact taking the sparks of holiness and bringing it uh, and bringing it out with them and bring it towards their service of Hashem. Um, we are shockingly enough, but we are okay. Um, so then we have the conversation of uh, motion telling Aparo uh, uh, about the play of the first one, but chapter 12 and this is where I want to stop for two minutes. Because I think we're pretty much that's where we are. Chapter 12. We have uh, the first mitzvah. Okay. Rosh. Sorry. Rosh lachem Hashanah. So Hashem says to Moshe that this month should be the head of the months for you. It's the first month of all the of, of year. Okay, and then it talk, and then it's gonna, and then he's gonna, then Hashem continues and talks to the people, bit, no, talk to Moshe and Aaron, to speak to the people to tell them that on the tenth, tell them on this day that on the tenth of the month they should take a lamb, tie it to their, take it into their house, and in four days, on the fourteenth, they should slaughter it, and that's gonna be the carbon pesach, and to put the blood on the doorpost, the, the lent lintel, lintel I think it is, um, and the whole all the, the laws of carbon pesach that are gonna continue. We're going to have some of Pesach, some laws that are just from a time, And later on, we're going to have laws of Pesach year for for like for generations. But here we have the mitzvah of Chodesh Zalichem. Now, if you remember, and of course, I forgot to bring my chomish with me, the first Rashi in Boratius. The first Rashi, Boratius bar It says, uh, it says that the Torah should not have started with Bereshis; it should have started with Hachayid Shazelchem, which is the first mitzvah. That means all of Chumash Bereshis and the first eleven chapters of Chumash Shemais are lead up to this place, to this place of the first mitzvah that Hashem's. Um, and so, like on a certain level, you know, you could look at all that other stuff and say, "Oh, that wasn't really." You know, that's just prelude, that's just like a very long introduction to the story. But no, we need the, the introduction to Tyra, the introduction to Mitzvah, the introduction to a relationship with Hashem is all those, all those other parts of Tyra, which we look at and say, Oh, such nice stories. But actually, they're teaching us incredible Midas and behavior and amuna and all different kinds of things that we need as a prelude in order to. Have a, a relationship with Hashem, and that's so sort of, it's just interesting when you, you know when you read that first Rashi, you say, Oh, oh the first missile, you know, the entire should have started by, by well, here it is right here in our parsha is a and this, and, and it's in like you think, Wow, like that was a lot of. A lot of words that you know rashi saying why are they why are they here and rashi actually says there to tell to tell us about the greatness of hashem to tell, show us that hashem rules the world he could do whatever he wants with it he gave us Eretz Yisrael, and to israel and the nations of the world are going to come to us and say because you stole this land from us we will look in the tire and we'll say hashem t- gave it he created it and he gave it to whoever he wants he gave it to to some people took it away gave it to us and now it's ours so that that power you know is also something I think is very important for us to have that that power of response that's what Rashi brings over there but over here we're also talking about the place of we're talking about the place of uh, for ourselves to say Hashem rules the world Hashem's in charge of everything and you know we've spoken about this many times in classes so I'm sorry for repeating myself but really really the mitzvah of Rosh is uh, the beginning of, of you know all the Jewish craziness you know uh, because essentially what are we being asked to do right essentially we're being asked to create the most complicated calendar that exists on the face of the earth we have a lunar calendar like the muslims go with a strictly lunar calendar the regular the rest of the world goes by a solar calendar the calendar is a solar calendar. And we are asked to merge the two of them. We are being asked to have the ebb and flow of a lunar calendar and all that that entails with the steadfastness of a solar calendar and the reliability and the everyday, the same, you know, the, the commitment and the steadfastness. It's not like you get to pick one. Hashem's like, you know, should we do this or this? Oh no, we're gonna do both. So it's not just enough to show up every day and do what we need to do, which would be the sun, the solar calendar, it rises and it sets, and that's, it's steady, it's steady, it's steady. And then you have the moon, which is creative, and it's up and it's down. Okay, we know we never really disappears, but how much of it we see is constantly, constantly in, in flux, it's constantly, and, and to have that place of how we feel about our relationship with Hashem, we're, today we're feeling more inspired and tomorrow we're feeling less inspired that's all moon stuff now we know that practically speaking the difference between them it's about 11 days and change so if you're on a strictly lunar calendar you would constantly be losing time after you know three years you would lose a little bit over a month and so we have this so because we have this injunction to have pesach in the spring we're constantly playing with the two calendars so essentially it's a 19 year cycle for our calendar. We have uh, seven leap years in the 19 years to kind of keep adjusting to make sure that all those things stay together. But on an emotional level, what is it here? It means like, it's not, you know, it's not just enough. It's like just show up and do our mitzvahs and be there steady as every single day that's the sun thing but there's also the place we're supposed to at we're being asked to be moon and to be innovative and to hear our where we are and what resonates with us and what we want to do and how we want to do it and yes we have to do both of them. meaning it doesn't the days that we wake up and we're not inspired or we're not interested in moving or we're not interested in you know showing up to life then we need to tap into the sun part of our of our of our of our calendar and say, but I'm gonna do it anyway. But the place of saying I'm gonna just do it and I'm not gonna pay attention to how I feel about it or how I how I can do it better or how I can make it mine and how it can be personal, that's also not meaning we need to have both the sun and the moon working together, which obviously makes our job that much harder. So never dull moment, Okay, we are out of time. Um, but the Torah is going to, the parsha is going to continue with the laws of Pesach and all different kinds of stuff. And the actual conversation of the Jewish people leaving Egypt, it's like, it just happens, you know, after all this, you know, the, the, the years of the slavery and the thing, and all of a sudden boom, here it is. And it just, and it's happening and talks about in the, in the middle, excuse me, in the middle of the day, the Jewish people leave, and and then it goes on to, it goes and, re-ca- and it re- it recaps laws of Pesach for, like I said, laws of Pesach for generations, because they did some things differently in Egypt and some things differently there uh, for later. Um, and we have the other misses that are going on. I want to give us all a bracha, that the place of our work and our input is very real and very important. So the first thing that we have to know, is Parsha's bow We're never doing it by ourselves. We're always with Hashem. Hashem's always have, there to help us. It helps if we open up and say, Hashem, please help us. Um, but he's always there with us to help us. And our actual redemption happens in a second. It really could happen in the blink of an eye. Like when we're in the darkest place and we think that we can't go further, and we can't do more. All of a sudden, that's when it's going to come through. So I want to give us all a bracha that we we look to ourselves and that we are honest and that we are humble enough to understand that we need to be able to see each other. We need to be able to not be so wrapped up in our own lives that we don't see the pain and suffering of, or the need of, even if it's not great suffering, but the need of people around us, because that's actually how we affect, that's how we actually affect redemption. When we can reach out of our space for somebody else and to help them with what they need to be helped with, that is a place of redemption. Have an awesome rest of the week and a great job.